is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I am Eric G from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. It's game week. I can feel your pulse racing. Okay, and if your pulse isn't racing, mind's racing for you. And it's a bit of a weird week because Oklahoma State kicks off the season on Thursday or tomorrow or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this show. So I'll give you a few guys from Central Michigan to look out for in this game, whether you're rooting for Oklahoma State or not. And later in the week, we'll do a little bit more of an OU-centric podcast to give you something to listen to on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday leading up to the kickoff with UTEP. But I want to start with what has become a tradition on the Pat Jones Show, which is picking the college football playoffs before the season begins. Now, truthfully, Coach Jones and I should do this during zero week because if one of us picked Nebraska to go to the college football playoffs, all right, now all of a sudden everybody can hammer us and tell us how stupid we are. And on the off chance that maybe we would have picked Illinois or Northwestern or Florida State, then, hey, people can tell you, hey, you look like a genius. These teams look good. We didn't do that. We waited a week one. And I, I, real quick, I just got to pull back the curtain, all right, on this. I, unlike a lot of talk show hosts here in the state of Oklahoma, could give a damn about being wrong, all right? That's part of the job. Part of this job is being wrong. You always want to be right. You always want to be as accurate as accurate as you possibly can with your opinions and with your predictions. But as Bruce Gilbert, the radio genius who ran the ticket in Dallas and ESPN and currently runs Cumulus, once told Colin Cowherd, it's better to have a strong opinion and be wrong than it is necessarily to be right. Okay, and I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing that. So, Bruce, if you're listening, I'm sorry to misquote you a little bit. But the whole point was, if you have a bold statement, a bold opinion on Friday, come Monday, everybody's listening because they want to hear you grovel, especially if you're wrong. If you're right, people don't want to hear you brag. No, nobody, nobody likes to hear someone talk about how awesome they are. They want to know that you're not infallible. They want to know that you're human just like them. So with that in mind, and especially since Oklahoma is kind of a weird radio state as it is, because we've got a lot of ex-athletes, a lot of writers, uh, more television guys than you hear in typical markets, I think people are are somewhat afraid to be wrong. Me, I don't roll those kind of dice, all right? I put my opinion out there, and if I'm wrong... I'm wrong. I have no problem admitting it. If I'm right, you're never going to hear me brag on it. I just don't do that. It's not me. Used to, but I've gotten older and hopefully a little bit more mature. So with that in mind, I didn't necessarily care about being right. I wanted to be a little bit different in my college football playoff prediction this year. However, the four teams I'm about to give you were not necessarily a stretch, according to my co-host, Pat Jones. He didn't think that this was necessarily some original outside-the-box thinking. So truly, I've got some work to do, or at least I think I have some work to do on this. All right, your number one seed's going to be Alabama. I tried to think of other teams out of the SEC that could possibly make the jump into the college football playoff. 
A dark horse, I think a real good dark horse, if you wanted to go lay some money on it, would be Kentucky. Would be surprised if they didn't win 10 games this year and possibly challenge Georgia for that top seed in the SEC East. It's not going to be Florida just yet. They're rebuilding. In fact, Florida will lose this week to Utah. So new coach, new regime, not going to get started off great. Then Kentucky's still a shade better than Tennessee. Josh Heupel's got some work to do there. But ultimately, Kentucky is not going to be able to get past Georgia. Couldn't go there. I think Georgia will end up losing a couple of games. So what happened was is it led me to go ahead and pick Alabama and go chalk in the Southeastern Conference. Who else is going to get into the college football playoff? Well, it might surprise you, but I'm picking a team out of the Big 12 and that team is the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Why am I taking the Oklahoma State Cowboys to get into the to get into the playoffs? Well, simple. There's no other team right now in the Big 12 you can trust more than Oklahoma State. They've got a returning all Big 12 quarterback. They've got the best defensive line in the conference. They've got playmakers at receivers. It all comes down to their offensive line and the running backs being able to do enough that Spencer Sanders stays healthy throughout the season. And just from things that I'm hearing, the linebackers in the secondary are going to be better than what people think they're going to be. So I trust Oklahoma State. They don't necessarily have a hard game, a hard schedule to navigate. They've got three games that they won't be favored in, which will be Baylor, Texas, and Oklahoma, and they can win all three. But ultimately, right now, here on September 1st, August 30th, I've got them splitting with Oklahoma and winning the Big 12 championship. And by the way, just a hint, just to give you kind of a, let you know where we're going, I don't have anybody coming out of the ACC. So that means I've got a Pac-12 team, and the Pac-12 team that I chose was the Utah Utes. Okay, again, not out on a limb. Most people are picking them to win the Pac-12. They'll start off with that win on Florida. Then after that in the non-con, they've got Southern Utah and San Diego State, two very winnable games. Their conference schedule, the toughest game that they play, will happen in November when they face Oregon, who's ranked number 11 right now and a 17-point underdog to Georgia. And they got USC on October the 15th. But like you, USC was 4-8 and eight last year. Okay, USC was four and eight. Do we really think with all the transfers and the soft kind of program that Lincoln Riley runs that they go from four and eight to a 10 or a 12 win team and possible conference contenders? No. And in fact, after this year, the shine wears off Lincoln Riley. So at this point, we've got Alabama, Oklahoma State, Utah making the final four. Who is that last team? That I'm putting in. Could it be Ohio State? Okay, that would be boring. But not a bad pick. Actually, it's a really good pick. Would it be Michigan? Yeah, it would be boring also. But I am going the Big Ten. I'm going to go Michigan State. Here's why I'm going Michigan State. Again, it's all about the schedule. Their non-con is Western Michigan, Akron, and Washington. Now, they've got to go to Washington, but there's not a lot there about the Huskies to like this year. You have Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, but two of those games are at home. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could clip Ohio State on October the 8th. They've owned Michigan for the last few years. So despite going to Ann Arbor, still like the Spartans there, 
And Penn State is one of the most underachieving programs in college football. So give me Michigan State. So write that down, etch it somewhere. And when I'm completely wrong, you can hammer me for it. And if you run into me, if you're hanging out in Tulsa or Oklahoma City, I'll be more than glad to buy you a beer and we can talk about it. But look, yeah, it would have been easy to pick Clemson. Um, I would think the dark horse, and they're not really a dark horse, but honestly, I feel better about Pitt than Clemson this year out of the ACC. But I think Pitt could possibly lose a game or two this year. And again, we've already gone over the Southeastern Conference. And in the Big 12, yeah, I, you the, the trends over the last few years say go to Oklahoma, say pick Oklahoma, go to the betting windows, pick Oklahoma. But there's still enough uncertainty that I can't go down that road. And I, it doesn't matter. I mean, Baylor could win three national championships in a row. I'm never going to pick them because I'm always going to kind of feel that Baylor will figure out a way to come up short. So who do you like? Um, hey, you can always hit me up at Sports Radio APD and let me know who you like. You can let me know if you think I'm an idiot by picking the teams that I did in the Final Four. A lot of people are on that A&M bandwagon. Not me. Not not going on that A&M bandwagon at all because they're just a perennial 8-4 and four team. And in fact, if you're looking for that SEC West team that might be a bit of a dark horse, go Arkansas this year. One of my bold predictions, if you want to call it bold, is that Arkansas wins 10 games this season. We don't fully know what LSU is going to be. Mississippi has a lot of transfers coming in. Brian Harson is going to get fired sometime this year in Auburn. His seat is way too hot, too much pressure on that guy for him to possibly be successful. And with Mississippi State, with Mike Leach, they're always good, but they're never quite good enough to finish, to finish better than third and or second in the division. And this year, they're not going to finish second. So, but Arkansas be kind of a dark horse. LSU could be a big-time fly in the ointment for everyone because they're always going to have the best-looking team. They're always going to have a ton of talent. You just wonder, can Brian Kelly put it all together? So, for Oklahoma State fans, there you go. It's either the kiss of death or I absolutely love you, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Truthfully, I love Oklahoma State. And um, this 21-and-a-half points that they are favored against Central Michigan uh, might be a little much. Um, this is like this is what I would call the perfect opening game of the season, because the one thing about Central Michigan is is you can't come in and take them lightly. So there's really no chance of Mike Gundy having an underprepared team who's going to go out and get surprised by the Chippewas. I mean, look, and he could always harken back to when they got screwed a few years back. But these kids weren't on campus. I mean, yeah, they saw the video. Yeah, they can be bad, but he's going to be more angry than they are about it. But they're good enough if you watch the film and take a look at them. You know you're going to deal with a running back in Lou Nichols. Watch him. This kid ran for over 2,100 yards last year, 2,186 all-purpose yards to be exact. I should say that he ran for over 1,800 yards, but yeah, over 2,100 all-purpose yards last year. He averaged over five yards a carry, but, but... Again, Oklahoma State, that defensive line, Oklahoma State never let anybody run for over 90 yards on them last year. They give up less than 90 yards per game and less than three yards a carry. Yeah, Oklahoma State's defensive line will dominate. But Lou, Lou could be a problem. If Lou's not getting it done, they've got a pretty good quarterback um, who's a sophomore uh, coming back this year. And this kid, 
wow, man, this kid threw for a ton of yards last year too. Uh, 2,633. Let me, you know what? I'm talking about him. I need to give you his name. And sometimes I cannot read my own writing on, on this name. But Daniel Richardson is the kid. Uh, 2,600 yards. He's got a, a receiver in Dallas Nixon that caught 45 passes uh, last year uh, for over 701 yards. I, by the way, I hate stats. I feel like I'm just reading you numbers at this point. But if Oklahoma State's you know, if Oklahoma State can force them to throw, which I think they can, so let's talk real football here. If Oklahoma State can force them to throw, Trace Ford, Colin Oliver ought to be able to get pressure on this guy. They ought to be able to force, you know, force him to throw to throw into coverage or at least throw when he's uncomfortable, throw some incompletions, force them to punt. I don't know how much of a threat they're going to be. Now, there is their big tight end. Um, that could be hard to cover if this kid is able to get the ball quick out. If this quarterback is able to get the ball out of his hands quick, this Richardson kid, Joel Washington, their 6'4", 250-pound tight end, might be tough to cover. And I do expect that that Central Michigan will get into the end zone. Look, Jim McElwain is a very underrated coach, and he was a lot better at Florida than people gave him credit for, uh, to be honest. And he's done a really good job at Central Michigan, so they'll be prepared for Oklahoma State, but ultimately the Cowboys have the better team. They may not cover the spread this week, but you got to think OSU starts 1-0. and And then after that, you ought to go 3-0 and in the non-con before getting to the Big 12. But love Oklahoma State this weekend. Uh, wouldn't bet on them to cover the spread, but I do think they'll win convincingly. Convincingly to me is 14 points or better, so I give Oklahoma State at least a two-score victory in this one. All right, coming up next, we'll talk a little bit about OU and UTEP. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Thanks for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Um, OU UTEP coming up this weekend. Um, excited? That would be an overstatement about this game. I mean, are, okay, ask yourself this Are you excited about this game? Or are you curious about this game? OU started off as a 40-point favorite. They're now a 31-and-a-half-point favorite. So people looked at that line and went, okay, 40 points is a little bit too much. So they bet it down to 31-and-a-half. Would think that that line would, would drop some more the closer it gets to game time just simply because it looks like such a big number. But UTEP's freaking terrible. They lost to North Texas last week, and Brent Venables can say all he wants that that score is not indicative of who UTEP is or what this game is going to be like. Oklahoma is going to absolutely maul these guys this weekend, and if they don't, then obviously they're in trouble, and we're going to have a lot of talk shows that sounded very, you know, this year that sounded very similar to what we were saying last year about Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. Um I think what we're looking for out of Oklahoma, because no one cares about the players on UTEP, you don't. I mean, come on. You don't. You don't You don't care. You don't want me to mention them. What you want is to talk about Oklahoma and what they're going to look like. And it's really simple. I mean, the first thing we want to see is fundamentally sound defense. We want to see guys hit. We want to see them drive their feet. We want to see them make tackles. Okay. 
it's probably like I don't care, and I don't know where you are on this, but I don't care if OU forces a single turnover in this game. As long as they're forcing a ton of punts, as long as they're not giving up third and longs, and as long as they're tackling and guys are getting to the ball, I don't care if you force a turnover. I don't need you to knock the ball out. Play physical. Hit someone. Separate them from the ball with the force of your body. Don't worry about slapping at a ball like Alex Grinch told you. Not worried about that at all. By the way, uh, just so you know, Brent Venables isn't going to be calling uh, the defensive formations. Okay, Roof's going to be doing that. Um, Ted Roof's going to be the one calling calling the defensive formations. And I love that, one, because he trusts his coordinators. Two, again, not a big fan of the head coach calling plays or formations. I just like the head coach to run the program, be a little bit more of a CEO type. The other thing that that is very curious about this game to me isn't so much who's carrying the rock for Oklahoma because you get the feeling that Jeff Levy's going to be a little bit like Lincoln Riley and Bill Belichick on this, which is whoever has the hot hand. And OU has numbers at running back. Not sure it's necessarily depth, but they've got numbers. And Gavin Sawchuck wasn't listed on the depth chart, which was somewhat strange considering everything that we've heard about him. But it's can OU be physical running the ball? Jeff Levy tells you he wants to be physical. So are they going to be physical running the ball? Have we misjudged Dylan Gabriel's arm? Is it stronger than what we saw in the spring? Or is it just average arm strength? Is his speed better than what we saw in the spring? Or is it just average speed? You know, these are these are the things that matter. Can the receivers make plays? Is anything dramatic going to happen in this game? Probably not. But the last thing we really need is drama. What we need down in Norman is to see a team come out from start to finish and dominate a team that they should dominate. They need to put a foot up UTEP's butt, and that's going to happen. Do they cover the 35 and a half? No. Um, if you're thinking about gambling, UTEP may get a couple of scores late, get a little bit of a backdoor cover, or OU may fall just short of that 31 and a half. But domination, that's all we want to see. Domination, move on to Kent State, Brent Venables hasn't made any decisions right now about red shirts, so hopefully we get to see a lot of these freshmen. You get four games to play them, better see a lot of them here in these first three non-con games, even against Nebraska, which despite that loss on um, that that loss last Saturday, still think that that OU um, that 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 may be a tougher game than what we're giving Nebraska credit for. I mean, Casey Thompson's an all right quarterback. I think we've learned that by now. Um, Scott Frost obviously makes some questionable coaching decisions with the onside kick. But real quick, okay. Again, this is one of those things just to be different. All right, um, and I'm not sure how much I believe this, but there is a point of me that understands why he did what he did with the onside kick or can at least make that argument, hey, your team's rolling. You're, I think he's undefeated when you score 35 points. You feel like you got him on the ropes. Why not? Uh, it backfired. The execution wasn't wrong. Pat Jones always likes, you know, the execution was wrong, not wasn't wrong, was wrong. 
And Pat Jones always likes to say sometimes you got to overcome coaching. And Nebraska couldn't at that point. But again, why put your team in that position? Kick it deep. Maybe your defense is playing good enough to get them off the field field um, without doing with, without scoring. But it was apparent that he didn't trust his defense at that point. And mentally, that probably screwed with them. He didn't trust them. You do the onside kick, that would screw with them. So he's got three weeks to get his head straight. Will it be enough? Probably not. OU probably wins that game, but maybe closer than, as Lee Corso says, the experts think. All right, that wraps up today's show. Appreciate you for listening. We're going to try and get back with you uh, later this week. Uh, to talk a little bit more about OU as they get ready for UTEP. Obviously, we've talked about Oklahoma State. So until then, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.